When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody. It's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. Obviously, if you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notification. So basically, you know, anytime we put new videos up, obviously, we have videos going up daily, but sometimes we go two, three times a day. So you don't want to miss any. So make sure you hear that bell icon. We have got some amazing guests coming up this week. I know I say that, but this week's even more so, including today's guest. He's a one-man production person. He says, it's Mark Sandow. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hi, very good to see you. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Absolute pleasure. I can see you've adorned your, uh, your office with uh, shirts of, of past eras. Uh, yes, I just thought it would be a nicer backdrop than my usual office backdrop, which really doesn't look like very much at all. <laughs> I know my sort of this is this sort of rose pink, whatever it's called in yeah, my daughter's bedroom doesn't quite match it. One day, one day, I'm working on her. You've been to a few. I'd of- like to say that I'd like to say some of those shirts still fit me, but that would be a lie. <laughs> right here, under here, under here, Schveltz, down here. Nah, 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 nah. All wrapped up, but. <laughs> That's the magic, the magic of YouTube. <laughs> anyway, so how, how's, how's things in, in lockdown for you? Everything okay? Not too bad, thank you. Uh, yeah, um, I'd usually work from home anyway, so it hasn't been that much of a difference to me, but uh, like a lot of people having the family around, and thankfully, unlike a lot of people, we haven't been directly affected, um, and I know that an awful lot of people have, so uh, I, I think we'll, we'll take that as uh, a good result. Exactly, likewise. And they said football's on the horizon, hopefully. So, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'd like to feel really joyful about it, but it's quite difficult. I think, apart from the fact we're in a bit of a mess, we have no idea what, you know, in terms of where we are in the league and all that. And we've no idea how. I mean, there is a joke going around, isn't it? The West, you know, the new stadium has always been a neutral ground. So we should be, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and I, I do, I have concerns about how we're going to do. And uh, I feel sometimes this year, it's been a bit of a chore. And, yeah. and of course, now it's an ir- ir- irony. I wouldn't mind that chore again. Yeah, exactly. You sort of mean, because it's obviously going to be a while before we're going to get back there, isn't it? And in numbers. I know you obviously get to go. Which is uh, which is which is good, but um, you know we're going to do a Zoom for the first game. We're going to do all our the mates that we would normally go to. We're all going to have a Zoom together and then have like a half-time wrap-up and analysis and pundits and all that kind of thing. Because in a way, 
what you miss the most actually is the the the, you know, the camaraderie exactly. with your friends. That that's what that's what gets you going in a way. You end up that's your connection. And in fact, the football sometimes is kind of incidental. You know, it's great, but it's incidental. Yeah, no, totally. And that's the that's the whole thread that's come through from this sort of project, so to speak, is it's not necessarily about the football, but it is about the community. And it's the and we say we jokingly say, you know, the West Ham family. But this this channel is an epitomation of it. Epitomation? Is that the right word? But yeah, epitomizes the idea of the West Ham family because it just started off as like a little nugget and they sort of they, people were passed on. So you obviously your name was passed on and from the footballers side, we've got some unbelievable like guests coming up but i know what you mean about about sort of the sort of uncertainty of the of this empty stadium sort of matches i was talking to um I was interviewing kevin Keane the other day and and he said actually he thinks it's going to be potentially the opposite in that a lot of teams sort of who you know i don't know a norwich might fancy getting something at man city because it's a bit more of a level playing field. So I think it's going to be, it's not going to be, I think there's going to be three or four other teams that are going to drag into that little relegation battle for that's for sure. Yeah. And I think you could argue that there have been occasions at the London stadium where maybe the atmosphere has uh, worked yeah. against the team. Yeah. And it may well be that that, that isn't the case. Um, and, uh, and, and that might benefit them. And I just feel a bit annoyed because I think we were coming into a good position yeah. when we were due to play Wolves. Wolves were knackered as well. Yeah. And then, you know, Spurs without uh, Kane and that kind of You start thinking, in a way, it's a shame we didn't get to play those games when we were, because yeah. we did look, even though we'd lost to Arsenal, but, you know, fairly unluckily, yeah, really. Yeah. But it looked like we were on a sort of upward trajectory. Mm. And... Uh, We've got to all do it again now. All do it again, but a fully fit squad. When was the last time we managed to say that? Fully fit squad. Never. Exactly. <laughs> and and Davy Moyes, I think, now has the, the longest unbeaten rate for a West Ham manager or something like that. You know, so we haven't lost for any, a couple of months now, three months, 100 days, something like that. That's, that's quite impressive. But anyway, we, we look ahead. Anyway, but we'll look back this time. So that's the idea of, of what we're doing. We're going to go back and, and talk about memories and players that meant something to you. So for you, Mark, you know, what was your earliest memory? You know, why West Ham for you? Why was West Ham your team? Well, uh, obviously, I'm an Essex boy. Um, and my dad uh, was East End and he was a West Ham fan. And uh, so he took me to my first game in 65. Uh, and um, I just, like a lot of people say, just completely fell in love with it. Yeah. Uh, was on the chicken run. Although my very first memory at West Ham, I was, uh, my dad took me a, a beer crate. Um, and uh, so I could stand on the beer crate. I was only four years old, and uh, West Ham scored. Uh, Martin Peters, it was West Ham Sunderland. Martin Peters scored. Now, in my memory, I think it's an overhead kick, but it, I don't think it was. <laughs> anyway, Martin Peters scores, and the bloke next to me applauds, obviously, and accidentally elbows me in the, um, in the, in the eye. And so when my dad looks down celebrating West Ham's equaliser, he looks down at me, and he can see I'm crying. And I sort of explained what happened. And, and the family folklore is that my dad said to me, get used to it, son. You know, there's going to be a lot of tears if, you're going to, if we're signing up to a life of this. Um, but, uh, and the other thing I remember, and I was going to come to this when it won't surprise you, you know, that Bobby Moore's going to be in my team. But sure. um, I also remember the referee having a word with Bobby Moore. You know, just a little quiet word. And somebody shouted from behind. Uh, somebody shouted from behind, Oi, ref! Do you realise who you're talking to? Which I which I really love that kind of show some respect. Do you realise who you're talking to? 
and uh, and it was it was I just sort of fell in love with it. And also, I think that was a good era in a way yeah. for me to get. You know, we, we, we obviously, I'm too young to remember the sort of real specifics of some of those for, for that period. But it was, you know, then I, at least I got to see more Hurston Peters, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was like the golden era, wasn't it, to get into being a West Ham fan? So that well, we've been doing, we've been doing, we've been doing some Zoom quizzes with our, with our mates, West Ham, with the West Ham mates. And I, I don't, I'd forgotten how that was already a golden era. The 64, everyone knows, 64 FA Cup, 65 Cup Winners Cup, 66 yeah. World Cup. Yeah. But in 66, the year after we won the Cup Winners' Cup, we got to the semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup again. Yeah. We also got to the final of the League Cup and lost to West Brom on, on two legs. You think, blimey, only one of, or other of those have gone in. It would be an even more amazing yeah. era. Yeah, yeah. And really the true. idea of West Ham always kind of, you know, getting to finals and semi-finals, well, we'd, we'd, we'd take a few of those now, wouldn't we? Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I remember your, your story when you, your dad said to you, you know, get used to it. Exactly what happened with me. I think with my one, it was, I think it was a little bit, a little bit, a little bit closer to, to the present day. Um, and um, <laughs> we played Oxford United and, uh, and I think Oxford United scored after about a minute. And my granddad turned to me and said exactly the same thing. You better get used to this, mate. And I didn't believe him. But now, obviously, I do, um, having not won anything since then. Although we won the Intertoto Cup. So, you know, European glory um, and all that, um, which, which, which often gets, not, you, know, the, you know, yeah, the boys of 86, Intertoto Cup, 1999, you know, Mets away. What a game that was. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, people forget about that. Um, so, you know, you, I mean, you had... To, to be honest, in the modern day era, Mark, you've had basically, you know, all the good things have happened in your career, you know, your West Ham fan career. Because you had Europeans, you had, well, FA yeah. Cup winners, uh, you had... Yeah, well, clearly 64 and 65, I'm not, I'm, I, you know, no, I, but, I, I, I couldn't remember. But obviously 75 I went and, uh, and obviously um, uh, 80. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I've seen some, but, you know... I've also seen a heck of a lot of relegations, yeah, yeah. and and I have to say I know everyone's talked about this, but it doesn't. It just at the moment does not feel the same because of Upton Park. You know, it's not. It's not even a, even a poor team at Upton Park. It was still Upton Park. Mm. So I think in a way that I'm glad that I had well yep. 50 years of going to Upton Park. I'm also glad that my boys and my daughter got to you know had their season tickets at Upton Park as well so I'm glad that they've got that and this if you sort of yeah 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 not just, the, comparison, not just yeah. the new setup yeah because I think for, so you know for my, I mean, my daughter's only eight so or eight last week and so for her her recollection although I did I did make sure she got to the Upton Park once I, I sneaked in you could sneak in if you had a pass and so she, I've got a picture on the on the pitch at Upton Park but from her memory West Ham play at the Olympic Stadium and that's what they, yeah, yeah London Stadium. Yeah. There's no recollection about Upton Park. And obviously, for a lot for the for the newer generation, that's how it's going to be. But obviously, that's the importance of sort of interviewing people from a more experienced generation because they've got all the all the memories and stuff, which I think is really important to categorise. But that thing you said about the, you're absolutely right. And that thing you said about you know get used to it and Oxford and all that kind of thing. I, I uh, bumped into another journo on a, on a press trip once to South Africa, and it became clear right at the beginning we were both West Ham fans. And um, we, because we were working throughout the day, we didn't really get a chance to talk about West Ham. We get to the bar in the evening, we finally sit down and talk about West Ham. And one of the very first things we said to each other were, were you at Mansfield? Were you at Stockport? Were you at Torquay? Were you at the games when we were 3-0 up and lost 4-3 at home, the Wimbledon and the West? You know, all of these got trotted out. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah. And then we had a little kind of, yeah, we, were you at the, uh, you know, the whatever it was. The, yeah, that's right. The semi-final at Villa Park was another one. You know, so we're there, we are trotting off all this. And the, and the, the barman just was listening to this and he just said, do you actually like West Ham? <laughs> you know, because obviously all our, all, our, all, our, all our conversation was about the embarrassments and the, and the cup shocks and all that kind of thing. So it's almost like you wear them as a badge of pride. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's so true. It's almost like, it's almost like you know, a Boy Scout or a cub. You know, they've got, they've got yeah, yeah, I've got, two, for me, I've got, yeah, I've got 2006. Yeah, we've got the, uh, we've got the uh, Crystal Palace playoff. Yeah, we've got that one. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. You know, but it is, but unfortunately, and, that, and that's the thing, it's, the football is always seems to be secondary to the experience and and West Ham, yeah, we're realistic. We're never going to win the league, but we just want to be entertained and we just want to enjoy a beer of our mates. And when we all get back to the London Stadium, it'll be a lovely moment. And I'm I'm really looking forward to that moment. It's gonna be weird. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair point. Because I think, you know, I think as you said, I think people will take more people a bit more uh you said uh, you said it was a chore, but you'd like that chore to come back. And I think a lot of other yeah. people were in the same boat. Yes, we moaned about this selection and he's not playing and why is he not doing what he wants to. But I think people just want to have those moaning sections again. You know, they just want to moan, have something to moan at. You know, at the moment, they haven't got nothing yeah. to moan at. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. And I think perhaps, particularly, we, we had no idea all this was coming along, obviously. Um, no. Clearly, the government didn't either. Um, but uh, the, uh, the thing is, you know, actually, what we were whinging about is something we were, you know, I've really missed that, missed that kind of kind of camaraderie. And uh, yeah. so sometimes, you know, you, uh, we've got to get that. It helps get everything into perspective, I think. Yeah. And I think it's great that you're having a Zoom. Your Zoom, that's absolutely brilliant. You know, that's so good. And we're trying to do some ideas. You know, we're trying to get something, you know, it's probably not for the video today, but, you know, obviously, you know, we've got a little bit of leeway now with, with the Premier League in terms of what we want to do. So, you know, potentially do some fan singing bubbles montages rather than me playing a because it might mean a bit more to people, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. So there's, there's little things they want. So, yeah, we want to try and get as much involved in it but i think that's absolutely brilliant i love the fact thing is i'm gonna be sat on my own in the box it's gonna be like an under 23 game sat on my own in the box with about 200 people oh, it's gonna be really really weird but uh, anyway let's let's not worry about that i've got two or three weeks until that happens um in terms of in terms of your sort of your west ham 11 mark um yeah. as i said we try and keep it to a 442 if we can um, the only really rule is you have to be a lie to a city and play now you from early 64 yeah. was you're pretty much set i'd say you got good yeah, I, w- I wasn't there for the white horse final but i've done quite a lot <laughs> since then yeah brilliant so we'll go so yeah be good to good to go for yours so in in, in goal mark who would be in goal for your uh sando 11 your parks uh unquestionably uh he i remember delivering newspapers and getting the uh the news that we were signing field parks and not only were we signing him it was 565,000, which just seemed like ridiculous money, particularly for West Ham. And he, he just seemed to slot straight. He just, his air of um, uh, authority, he, he just, I, I mean, he was uh, fabulous. I don't think that's um, memory lending disenchantment, if you saw me. He was, I, I remember this uh, FA Cup third round. Everyone talks about 1980 and Trevor Brooking winning the FA Cup. I think the third round, uh, away at West Brom, and um, I can't remember what the, the rates, but Phil Parks must have saved probably maybe 14, 15 shots in the course of this game. 
And we were still winning 1-0 with a minute to go and Cyril Regis equalised. And we obviously won the replay back at Upton Park and off we went and everything. And I think that also ought to be remembered. And he was brilliant in the final as well. Um, he, you know, he, I, 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 funny enough, when I was working at Capital Gold, I, um, uh, I, was, I was sat next to him the night we beat Liverpool in the, um, what was then probably the Littlewoods Cup or whatever it was, when Paul Lynch scored twice, so you remember that? And I'm sitting in this packed, the old press box at Upton Park, which you will know, you know, yeah, really yeah. narrow and, you know, and there's, let's be fair, Phil Parks is a big lad as well. So he's, you know, he's next to me and Jonathan Pierce is doing the commentary there. And Phil Parks has got one of those headphones with a, a, a microphone that comes across it. Yeah. And he's got no control of when the microphone is on or off. That's controlled, controlled by Jonathan. And when, uh, when we scored the fourth goal, we, neither of us could quite believe that this was this was happening, and uh, and he forgot he was on mic, and he just sort of turned to me and goes, "We're stuffing the bastards." <laughs> <laughs> and he was just, and obviously Jonathan, you know, because obviously he was actually on air. But what I also loved about that was it really mattered to him. He still yeah. clearly was a West Ham fan, you know, and he's yeah. he's not he's from the Midlands, I think, isn't he originally? Yeah. I think. Yeah. But he, you know, and he was a hammer. I just, I loved him, his command, his authority. Um, you just, and also you felt we always had a chance, even when it was, someone sure. was through one-on-one or it was a penalty or whatever it was. I don't know what his stats are like for saving penalties, but I thought he was absolutely fabulous. And I remember that after that West Brom game, John Lyle said um, they should give him 10 out of 10 in the papers. And Ron Atkinson at the same press conference said, no, 12 out of 10. I mean, you know, to, yeah. so to come in from a from the opposition, opposition manager, manager yeah. um, and I just, you know, he, I thought he was not even close for me. Uh, you know, we've had some, we've been very fortunate, we've had some great keepers down the years, um, uh, but I, I, he's he's there for me. He's your man. Yeah, yeah, good shout. And he says, lovely guy as well, which is always nice. And as he said. One of one of the many adopted cockneys, you know, as you said, he's not not from the round these parts, so to speak. But he just got the fans fans of him, and he was massive. And I think it was so imposing, you know, as as a goalkeeper. And again, that's something which I think's lost in the modern game is have that big buggering goal, you know, like a real, yeah. all like, you know, svelte and athletic. But not he was he was a, he was massive, and obviously with the hair as well. He was another foot taller, wasn't he? Really with the. Uh, the, right. When the Cossack uh, money came, yeah. Looking at recent pictures, he hasn't lost any of it, has he? I mean, he, he no, looks, he looks fabulous. He does, yeah. And there's there's some players who look exactly the same. You can tell that's Phil Park. There's a couple not, and you're probably going to have. Might, you might have one later on, but there's a there's a there's a few who don't look anything like they did in, when they were playing for us. But uh, yeah, we we'll put Parks in. Let's go. Uh, let's go left back. Then, then not. Well, I've gone. I've, I've been a bit cheeky here. I know you said that it was, uh, you know, um, it, I should be playing four four two, but I'm kind of, I've gone for kind of five really. That's right. So I've got. I haven't really. This is this is my thinking, right? Yeah. Um, I have got a traditional right back. Yeah. I want him to sort of play across the middle, but that will be Ray Stewart. Yeah. Um, and um, well, for loads of reasons. I mean, one, if we ever do end up in a penalty shootout, he's a very good character to have on board. I thought, again, uncompromising player. Again, decent amount of money. I remember at the time as well, four hundred thousand. Yeah. I know it seems nothing now, but four hundred thirty thousand. Yeah. Um, again, utterly reliable. Uh, you know, never seemed to be injured, which was brilliant as well. No, good point. Yeah. Um, and coolness under pressure. 
Um, six round FA Cup, 1980, Aston Villa at yeah, home, yeah, yeah, 90th yeah. minute, Ken McNaught, I think, had fouled, I can't remember who he fouled. And there is, you know, it's a penalty to take us into the semi final of the FA Cup when he does it. The League Cup final in 1981, where, you know, he took that penalty, that last minute penalty, right in front of where the West Ham fans were. And by the time we'd finished, we knew he was going to score. Yeah. Uh, by the time we'd finished celebrating, you know, all jumping up and down and mobbing and all that kind of thing, because we felt un- hard done by because of the original goal that Liverpool had scored when Sammy Lee was lying on the penalty spot. And by the time we all kind of emerged from celebrating, we looked up and the Liverpool fans had just gone, you know, because they, they just, they felt it had been snatched away right at that time. Yeah. And it really did feel like we'd actually, I know we hadn't won, obviously, and we lost the replay, of course, in a very West Ham way. Yeah. But um, I just thought he was, he was cool under pressure. I did work with him as well. He, he always made me laugh because, uh, do you remember the old, well, you probably won't, but the old shoot magazines where they used to do the player profiles. And so the questions that they used to ask him were things like, what's your favourite film, favourite film star, all that kind of thing, um, and favourite food. And uh, very often it seemed to be steak and chips. For some reason, steak and chips would seem to be the, the, the number one. And Ray Stewart's, was when it said favourite food, his just said mince. <laughs> and I just thought, I don't know, I just thought that was a bit adventurous. And years later, I did a programme on Five Live, it didn't last very long, called Early Doors. And Ray Stewart, we did a feature called Ray Stewart's World of Mince. And the idea was that Ray Stewart would come on and talk us through a recipe that involved mince. And he was a very good sport about it. Because I did say, why did it just say mince? And he said, I think he meant to say mince and tatties. Yeah, you know, yeah. so so it wasn't just, but just the fact it was favourite food, mince. And I just thought, I'm looking forward to a nice plate of mince tonight. <laughs> anyway, he was a real fantastic sort of sport about it. Really lovely, dry sense of humour, smashing blow, um, and so reliable. And we've had, again, we've had some very good penalty takers over the years. Yeah. You know, we think Julian Dix as well, Mark Noble, obviously now. Um, I, he got 78 goals from the penalty spot, Ray Stewart. I mean, that is ridiculous. And yeah. it, I think he did, he missed a few, but I think he, I think he missed about four or five and even a couple of those he scored on the rebound. Yeah. So I just, I just loved him. And again, similar to Phil Parks, I get the feeling that West Ham has a huge, you know, has a huge place in his heart. Oh yeah. yeah. And he comes back quite a lot, doesn't he? We get him on the pitch quite a bit. Um, Still don't understand a word he says, but uh, <laughs> but he's lovely. He's lovely, isn't he? And he does a lot for he does he said lots for the you know for the club in terms of the the videos and stuff. But yeah, no, great. Yeah, yeah, race to it. I'm gonna let you just carry carry on then, Mark. Who's your next well, defender? I'm, I'm gonna go. Funnily enough, it won't surprisingly when do you realise who you're talking to, Ref? Uh, Bobby Moore, obviously. Yeah. I was privileged to see him, um, and. And also privileged to meet him a few times in the press box when I was um, either doing stuff for Five Live or for Club Call, the old days of Club Call. Yeah. Chris Raystrick did. And I used to help him out some weeks. And he was obviously then working for Capital Gold. And um, it, obviously, there's what on earth am I going to say new about Bobby sure. Moore that no one else has, yeah. no one else has said? Um, I do think, and I know this is not also, I do think the club let him down a bit, I think, at the yeah. end. I think it is still puzzling that uh, he never found a proper job in sort of English football at a mm. senior level mm. of the game. Funnily enough, we, we, during lockdown, me and the boys watched uh, the Bobby Moore documentary, which I think Matt Lorenzo... And Matt yeah, yeah, Matt had come on soon, yeah, got him on soon, yeah. And he was very good, as you know. It's a really, really good piece of the work. And um, the boys watched it because I wanted them to see... Look, we've, we talk a lot about Bobby Moore, and you'll have seen those clips on YouTube of the mm. fantastic 
a tackle in against Brazil and all of that, and you see all of that. So I said, but let's have a look at it, you know. And they were very, very moved by it. But the big question they wanted to know was why? What had he done? How had because they alluded in the in the documentary, they said maybe he kept the wrong company. Now, obviously, Jonathan Pierce is a mate from Capital, so I just thought I'll just send him a message saying, "Listen, I've just watched that documentary again. Why do you think that he never got accepted? Why did it take yeah. so long?" And he said he didn't know, and uh, I, Jonathan didn't know, and he said Bobby didn't know either. He said they still were puzzled by it, you know, that there was, and how you could turn your back, if, which is what they effectively did. And as I said, it is great that we've got a Bobby Moore stand. It is great. It's a shame that it took him to die, unfortunately, before mm. us to have it. Because there is only one club in the country that's got a World Cup winning captain, you know, who, who you know, in, in, our, in our history. Indeed. And, um, and, and I feel that's a bit of a shame. I just, I, it, was his, it was his composure. Um, when he went in goal that time as well, was it against Stoke in the, the semi-final? Saved the first one, rebound went in. Um, I love the bit when he's uh, when the referee got knocked out and uh, and he and he sort of he just calmly took his whistle and blew the whistle, sat on the ball and stopped playing and Bobby Moore. I just thought he had a, a really he was he was he just I know, and also I remember my mum who wasn't wasn't a huge football fan, you know, obviously but uh, had to be a West Ham fan, yeah, for obvious reasons. But she would go, we would come back from games and she'd go, and, and, and how did my Bobby play? Yeah. You know? And it was like very much. And the, the only other person she ever spoke about like that was Trevor Brookie, you know, which, as a kind of similar kind of absolute yeah. part. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I haven't got any great insight to any, everyone would have said how, what an amazing player he was, but I just felt it was, uh, it was a privilege to have seen him. Yeah. And, um, and clearly, you know, our greatest player. Yeah, no, totally, totally. There's not much more you can say about him, but yeah, it's inter- I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where I mean, I remember watching that documentary, and it, 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 again, you you never know why. I mean, I never know why. I don't think that, no one would know why, but not just for England, but for but for England, you know, for West Ham, but just for England as well. You know, it's like as you said, a senior role. You see the role that Trevor plays now. It's the Trevor plays in the FA. Yeah, you know, Bobby should have been there anyway. Anyway, we'll put Bob in. Who's your next defender? Well, I'm going, as I said, I'm going for this slightly sort of three across the middle there at the back. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Rio. Yeah. I know there are lots of choices in this position. I mean, Alvin clearly would be another one that, you, you know, I loved as a player as well. And um, a, great, a great servant of the club, lovely guy as well. Yeah. Um, I put Rio there because, I, funny enough, I think it, I would, there's part of me in this imaginary world that we're conjuring up here would like to see Rio and Bobby Moore playing alongside each other because, as I recall, when Rio was coming through the ranks, that was what you heard about. Him. He was the closest thing um, to Bobby Moore. You know, that, and we heard about this kid you know, coming through the ranks and he was going to be really good and he's got a great touch and everything. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe the level of comment. Goodness knows if, you know, if he had just like antifreeze in his blood or something. <laughs> I just love the way that from the moment he started playing for us, he had the confidence to take yeah. the ball out. Yeah. He had the confidence to pass long or short, depending however he wanted to go. Where have you got this from? And you knew that he was, he was marked out for greater things. You know, you knew that probably if we're lucky, we'll have him yeah. for a few seasons. Yeah. And I remember at the end of each season, it was that fear that this was the time he was going to go. I mean, we got 130-odd games out of him, I think, yeah. or close yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, 
And, uh, and I'm also, the other reason I've gone Rio as well, which is a kind of a slightly odd reason, is I want him to kind of represent the other two Ferdinands in the family because Anton was also, I loved Anton. I loved yeah. the way he used to come down to our corner flag the East End and do this little kind of round thing, which I yeah. really loved. I loved I loved his enthusiasm and spirit for the club. And also I love Celez, you know, yeah. playing for us as well. I mean, so I, I, in a way he's kind of, he's there in his own right, obviously as a fabulously gifted player, but he's also representing his brother and his cousin as well. Yeah. Because I think they also did some great stuff for West Ham. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I just loved his coolness, his composure. Um, and, uh, you know, we were fortunate to have what we did out of him. And, and, you know, as the, as the joke goes, that did pay for the West Stand, effectively, when unfortunately we had to move him on. Yeah. We can question what we did with the money that we got from him, but that's a whole other... That's a whole, whole, other, whole other video, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I've gone Rio there because I said, partly because of that little fantasy idea of seeing the two of them. Yeah. You know, the, the, the sort of the old master and the young, you know, would have, yeah, would have been princes. something. Yeah, they would have been. Yeah, you're, you're right, he's just... He was just from a young age he was just so cool weren't he like on the ball and it's like it's so unusual you know for a player that young to have that ability um on the ball and it, again it's like you know i think you know in in hindsight he had a, an amazing career but obviously when he went to united famously so alex sort of took that ball playing side a little bit away from him and made him more of a defender what what could have been if he he could have been the next Barese, you know, if he was. Yeah, that's that's a very good point because I think people did think if he was going to develop, he might even develop into a, a, a an out and out midfielder. Yeah, I think that he would, you know, he would because he was so comfortable on the ball. Um, but he used to get. I seem to recall as well. He used to get sort of sent up front at times. When yeah, we chasing a goal. Yeah, which was. <laughs> you know, you thought, welcome to West Ham, Rio. That's not going to happen to you when you go to Man United. Don't nah, worry about that. Nah. That's a West Ham thing, isn't it? I remember, like, in my, in my era, so to speak, Ian Pierce would always go up front and yep. would be looking for, a ball, looking for a goal, you know. And he, I think he, he might have been started up front, I think, for a game or so. Oh, so, that's um, very likely. Yeah, yeah, all right. We'll put Rio in. Who's, who's your next player then? Well, I'm going, I said, I'm, this is the reason why I've sort of slightly cheated and put three or five, depending on what we're doing, is that I want to put Billy Bonds in my, um, you know, I'm sort of cheekily playing him as a kind of wing back, I suppose you'd say now, but I want him in there, yeah. obviously. Uh, and funny enough, what we were talking about, about Bobby Moore, you would have been there in the stadium that, uh, that day, uh, was it last season when the Billy Bonds stand was, um, yeah. was named? Yeah. And A... We've named it after a legend, and thankfully, he's very much nice. still with us, yeah. you know. And you, again, you were there that day. You would have seen what that meant to him. I and mean, obviously, we are in the Billy Bond stand, so obviously, oh, wow. he's coming over his face us. And I'll never forget when he was doing all that. And you see people do that a lot, but you, you, this really meant something to him. The tears in his eyes and all that kind of thing. And I think, you know, he could not have given any more to West Ham, really, if, yeah. you, if, if you think about it, in the, in the different capacities that he played. Four times hammer of the year. Well, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm slightly surprised it's only four. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was a clean living player. They used to always talk about him. Then he was the last one off the training ground. He'd win the sprints against the young kids. You know, and he'd go home and have a meat pie with his family and all that. You know, and it was all that sort of, he was not, he was, you weren't going to catch him out in a nightclub, were you? No. you know, Billy Bonzo yeah. was not going to be doing that. And his fitness was a real, was really important yeah. to him, wasn't it? His whole, you know, and, and hence he was—he's he's the player at the oldest age he's ever played for us. Isn't he? he was at forty-one, I think. Forty-one, he was yeah. Still playing for us, and you don't do that if you haven't looked after yourself. And as a manager, took us back up, didn't he? Took us back up yeah. again. I question the way that the club 
uh, treated him after that. But the fact that he is now well established back into the, the, the sort of fabric of the club. Mm. And again, like, you know, Bobby Moore, you know, it, it's almost one of the first three things you'll ever know about West Ham. And one of those is Billy Bonds. And I, and I think that is great. I, you know, I used to have a badge of his on, these, on my blazer. And it was, it was a picture of the, the famous one where he's got the kind yeah, of badge. Yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, and uh, I, I, I I he was he, he got you off he got you off your seat as well. They talk, he's, you know he's, you talk about some of the fabulous creative players we've had over the years and everything. And I think Billy Bonds with his spirit, you know, we were never it was never over when Billy Bonds was in the team. You know, sure. it didn't matter what the scores, he was still giving it everything and would not take it from others who didn't. You know, and he he had this reputation as a hard man. Well, I, I remember him getting sent off against Birmingham when he had a fight with. Todd, I think Colin Todd or Kenny Burns or someone, and he got sent off then um, and nearly missed the FA Cup final, in fact, didn't he? In fact, that was before the 80. Yeah. Uh, they thought he might do that. But he was always, I thought, unfairly portrayed yeah, outside yeah. of West Ham as some kind of hard man. This is not Ron Harris or Norman Hunting. Yeah. You know, this is a guy who could play, was good in the air, was supportive of his teammates, but fabulous. I mean, you know, have him in your team. Trevor Brookings says that his career was prolonged, wasn't it? Because he was playing with Billy Bonds. Yeah, there, yeah. Makes Billy Bonds would take care of him. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I always felt, and it was a shame, he got called up to the England squad twice, didn't he? I don't, in fact, once was against Italy. Um, never never got into it. And I think he's probably got to be on our list of the unlucky, one of the unluckiest players never to have played for England. Yeah, when you yeah. look at some of the players who did yeah. play in that period. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly, so, exactly. And, and again, you know, like Bobby Moore, isn't there, you know, there's going to be no clever insight from me about Billy Bonds that no one else has spotted. But I loved him. And, uh, and I'm very proud that my season ticket is in the Billy Bonds stand. And I'm glad the club, you know, have realised what an enormous asset and what a great debt of gratitude we owe him. Exactly. And I think by doing that, you've got, we've you've spoken about before the, in, 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 the, in the episode when we were saying about the younger generation, uh, understand, you know, West Ham players understand that's all they know. Same with Billy Bond, you know, unless now there's that recognition, there's always going to be that piece that, you know, a granddad will talk to a son and the son will then talk to his son about who Billy Bonds was in the same ilk as Bobby Moore and Trevor Brooking. Because, yeah, as you said, you saw how much it meant to him. And I think that was arguably one of the most emotional things I've ever seen, I think, because the man didn't show any emotion. Even when we won promotion, I didn't remember seeing him cry when he stood up at the director's box at Upton Park. You know, but there he was absolutely bawling. And I think to have his peers there and his family was just yeah. um amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's just a shame. I think wasn't did he get held didn't he get held up or in traffic or something? He never yeah. laid the last night. Yeah, so, but, but basically because of because the story goes because there were sixty there was like you know probably about seventy thousand people there weren't there because there was like thirty five going to go into the, into the ground at least the same outside. The traffic was so bad, and I think there was reports of obviously us of someone throwing bricks at the Man United thing and and i think he turned back because he was worried about the safety of his of his family yeah, and getting yeah which in, is fair enough which is at, and again which shows the man's character um yeah it was a like a last minute and i remember there's like confusion about what we haven't got billy bonds we've got a taxi are we gonna put the taxi you know it's like so they had to sort of rearrange everything so presumably you were playing a big role in that in that uh, thing at the end there were you? well yeah they had they, they had know, a the, the, they had an outdoor, the uh, had a proper like event, a proper events company. An events company came in to do it, 
um, as well. But obviously, I was there, yeah. So yeah, kind of. But I, I was more taking a back seat for that stuff because obviously it all had to change because obviously everything got delayed, so we couldn't do the fireworks at the end because it had been past council regulations. So I had the fireworks at the beginning. Um, yeah, it, 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 it was a West Ham way, wasn't it? You just had to think on your feet a little bit. It, it was. And uh, going back to what you said about Billy Bonds and emotion and all that kind of thing, and you've got to give, because I'm very easy, it's very easy for me to criticise the club when you get things wrong. That film, right at the very end, and the idea of having the very last bit yeah. of what looked like Bobby Moore pulling the lights and the lights, you know, pulling the switch down and the lights going off, I have to say that was one of the, that was a, a beautiful touch, I yeah, thought. Was and, uh, and that was a real... I found I just don't know why, but I got a real speck of dust in both my eyes. It was just very weird. Um, but uh, yeah. you know, that was really brilliant. That was. Anyway. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So Billy Bonds. Yeah, and obviously, famously, Billy didn't have a mobile phone. I don't think he still has a mobile phone. So. Oh, is someone, that right? Yeah. So someone had to phone up to say Billy wasn't coming. So and I don't think he still has a mobile phone. I think he might do now, but he famously hadn't had one for many, many years. All right, Billy's in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and it won't surprise you to know that if we're going to, the, the, the next legend is obviously Trevor Brooking, yeah. Sir Trev, uh, Hadley, um, and uh, he, uh, I, I, you were speaking earlier and being very polite about my age, but um, I've, I saw the whole of Trevor Brooking's career, you know, pretty much. And, um, uh, and I was there on his farewell game, which was against Everton, and... Um, and what was odd about that night was that comfortably the best player on the park on either side was Trevor Brooking, and he was the one that was retiring. Um, but obviously, a tremendously gifted player. I'm glad that he got so much recognition for England. I've had, the, I'm sure you have. I've had the good fortune to have met him on a few occasions, and uh, and I know in the when I was in when I was working at Five Live and everything, you know, the sort of talk in the business. And I'm sure you know this as well was that you know there had to be some chink in his armour because he was so damn lovely. He was yeah. so nice, so courteous, so professional. Um, uh, but there isn't one because that's, yeah. that's him. And, um, and I just think he was a tremendous ambassador for our club. He was loyal. I know that he was, I think Clough tried to get him away at one stage, didn't he? But he, you know, we don't often get, and I hope that Mark Noble is that as well, is that... Yeah someone who spends their entire career at one club. It's, it's an increasingly rare thing, and particularly someone of that calibre. Mm. And he had some real ups and downs with us, um, because that is the, the West Ham thing. Um, I was there in, obviously, 1980 when he, when he tried to get out of the way of that cross. And, uh, it was, uh, and it was so fitting, particularly after the Clough comment, wasn't it? Because Clough had said, floats like a butterfly, stings like one. Yeah. And so for him to get the winner and shut him up was really, really nice as well. I just, what do you say about him? You know, you again, nothing clever to add about him, but a beautiful player to watch. I used to love the way that I couldn't work out how with just one move or a drop of his shoulder, mm. suddenly he's left two players for dead. And you haven't, re what, what has he just done there? How yeah. has he done that? And of course, the Eintracht Frankfurt night, which they recreated at the last night, Upton Park, which was, I know, by the way, uh, as, um, the attendance figure, I think, for Eintracht Frankfurt is about 30,000. Um, I think, we, really, it's about 98,000 because every single West Ham fan you meet was there. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I honestly was there, and I can tell you it wasn't that full. But it was, because I don't think we, uh, we expected to go through. No. But that was a magic night. And, uh, you know, I, I, what, what can I say about him? He once left a, an answer, answer machine message for me. 
um, when I was at Five Live, they were doing a, a piece about Paolo Di Canio and, and the, the impact that he made. And so I, um, they asked me to be a sort of interviewee on this thing as a West Ham season ticket holder. So I did. And um, uh, Chris, Chris Raystrick, who used to do Club Call, um, was on very good terms with Trevor Brooking. So he got Trevor Brooking to leave me a message saying how disappointed he was that after all the years he'd given to West Ham, that I'd now was falling in love with Paolo Di Canio. You know, and it was, uh, and it was just, and I, I remember listening to it, going, that's, that's Trevor Brooking. He's just left a message on my phone. But anyway, he's, uh, he's an absolute diamond. It, it's all been said before, but, you know, he's, uh, he, he, it was a joy to have, to have seen that, uh, that career at, at West Ham. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And, and just say that, that, what I think's lost on the on the younger generation about Trevor Brooking was pitches aren't like the bowling green at, at London Stadium, and he was being able. He said he was skillful and being able to drop the shoulder and beat players and bogs of pitches with you know heavy balls and what could be if if you, there's a way to recreate you know some of these players on these beautiful pitches, it would be absolutely phenomenal to see. That's a very good point. Yeah, no, it's just, it's, and, and I, th- I think as a, of a lot of them, like Moro and stuff as well, you know, it's just you know, the, how heavy those boots were and how heavy that, that ball was and stuff. And they were still do, pinging, I mean, Moro particularly, pinging, you know, 30, 40 yard passes like they were nothing. And uh, tr- uh, Trevor, in the same way you could say the same about Alan Devonshire as well, they yeah. they weren't getting the protection from referees that, that players will no, get now. I mean, you know, he was, and again, to remain so untroubled by injury I think is, is a great credit to his fitness as well because uh, you know he was he was crunched a few times but as, as we were saying earlier it's quite nice if you've got Billy Bonds looming up behind you yeah exactly exactly <laughs> Who's, who's your next player? Who's your next player? Well, I've gone. I've gone. I've gone. Sort of the the next two. I know. I can see a bit more debate about these. I've gone with Scott Parker. Yeah. Uh, in, in my five, if I'm going with five yep. midfield, no worries. Um, I'm going with Scott Parker, and one of one of the reasons why is that those three years that he, three or four years he was with us, they weren't easy years, no. and um, I felt he kept us up pretty much on his own. I mean, it's very unfair to the other nice. players because, but I just felt he led mm. absolutely led from the front. Um, it really seemed to matter to him. Yeah. Um, obviously, you don't get hammer of the year three times in a row unless you're doing something right. And he, he chipped him some good goals as well, some very good goals at a certain time. There's obviously the story about uh, the halftime team talk against West Brom that Carlton Cole said, if you were there, you'd have had a tear in your eye. We're 3-0 down away at West Brom and Scott Parker takes the halftime team talk and it finishes 3 all. Yeah. Um, and I think I, and I, I, there, there aren't many times I would say I'm ashamed to be a West Ham fan. I think it might be pushing it a bit. But when Scott Parker came back wearing a Tottenham shirt and a substantial section of the crowd yeah. booed him, yeah. um, you know, not hideous. And there were enough people there that I think overrode it with their applause and all that kind of thing. But I thought, who, who are these people? Have you not, did you not watch what this guy did for us? You know, and exactly. uh, you know, and he he won, he won the Football Writers Player of the Year, which is very rare for a guy playing in the bottom half of the, uh, yeah. the league. And um, I just think he was—I thought he was a, a tremendous. I also thought he was a tremendous role model, tremendous example. Mm. You know, if you you know you, you watch your boys play football and you go, that's not a bad example. That's that the way he plays, the way he handles himself, the way he conducts himself. And um, I just think that, you know, he's, I, I don't, I don't, 
I think in, in recent years, he's one of the few that I would say, it's very hard to, I'm not going to say the word legend, but, you know, a great. Yeah. And I think in recent yeah. years, he's one of the few that you'd say that about, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I, I totally agree with your point. You know, he was... You know, I, I I love watching him. He did that little, he loved loved little turn, didn't he? And I, I can say, and do you know what? It's funny because like I've been saying on a few episodes before, you know, obviously Scott and Mark, and it was almost like Mark was learning a bit from Scott. And Mark does that little turn as well. Not Scott had a big bum, so it was a bit more obvious, but they still, <laughs> Mark does it that little turn as well. And like maybe Deck will start doing it. You know, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's going down in the ages. But yeah, Scott Park, I think, for you know, in my era, he was, he was like, he was absolutely phenomenal. He would like, it was almost like, not, I'm not comparing him to Billy Bonds at all or anything like that, but the way Bonzo and even Julian would go, right, fuck it, we're going to do it myself now. And just, yep. you know, he had that same drive for that team. And he said, it wasn't a great team, wasn't a great period, but he was, and, you know, obviously he got recognised for England and, and stuff like that. Yeah, he went to Tottenham, but, you know, and again, idiots. But then, you know, I remember Mark Noble testimonial. John Terry got a clap when he came back because he was wearing a West Ham shirt. So, you know, the, the fickle nature of a West Ham fan. Oh, it's... yes. And the, the Tony Carr, the Tony Carr night where, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Chelsea players couldn't play because they were playing in the Champions League. And because they turned up wearing the right kit, they get a bit, including um, Frank Lampard, of course. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. who, who's, who's everyone's women villain. And, uh, and yeah, you know, you're right. I just couldn't believe that of Scott Parker. Yeah. I thought, blimey, we, we, we were, and it's not often you say that. You sometimes look at players and you think, we're lucky to have you. And we were mm. very lucky to have him during Oh, that yeah, period. definitely. Definitely. Right. Who's, who's your next midfield then? And uh, I'm finishing off in the, uh, I think this is my last midfielder now, isn't it? Um, yes, I think it is. It's, uh, uh, no, I've got two now more. Got two got, more uh, yeah. I'm going to go Trevor Sinclair. Yep. Uh, because he was exciting. Uh, I thought he was, uh, he added so much to us. And again, it's funny how, I know he wasn't an out-and-out out wide player, but it is funny. I was talking about this the other day with some other West Ham mates who were saying, we, we, over the years, we haven't had a tremendous amount of great wingers, actually, no. when you think about it. We've had some, we had some great goalkeepers, some clearly great strikers, some tremendous, you know, but wingers out, you know, and I know he has said he wasn't an out and out, but he gave us something in that. And obviously the, the, the pass for yeah. Canio's goal yeah. is obviously something that will stay there. He scored some spectacular goals for yeah. us. I know that he scored some belting goals for QPR as well. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed watching him. I thought mm. it was going to be exciting. It was never going to be dull. I, I, I thought he was a, courageous player as well in terms of the fact that he, again we talk about players getting kicked he got he got a fair bit of treatment Trevor Sinclair and I thought he handled it really well um no I loved him and I just think that I want uh, you know I've got I've got in, in Parker and Bonds if you like I've got me I've got me engine room and I want a bit of flair now you know yeah. to, to to link up and um no I really liked him I thought he was um you know that period when we came fifth didn't we the Intertoto Cup and all of that you know I I I thought he was lovely. And, I, and that was an exciting team. Yeah, we compare that Scott Parker team there, which was, you know, Canute and we, we, you know, we, we, had, some, we had some really yeah. good players in that team, and obviously Paolo. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 I, and it was a time when it, you just, you were, you were sort of tingling about going to see the Amherst, which, as, you, as we both know, is not a regular feeling. But it was, it was a time when you thought, this is going to be exciting. We are, and exactly what you were saying earlier about, we, we like to try and entertain. We, that's, that's what our fans were like. We, 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 except we might not win very much, but 
I mean, in terms of trophies, but yeah, I know what you mean. Make, make us happy, make us worth it, make us, you know, that. And, and I think that team with, under Harry, I thought, did that. Um, and obviously, we had that blend of the, the, the Cole Carrick youth team that yeah. sort of was coming, yeah, you know, yeah. come through as well. So you had that lovely homegrown thing with, mm. with fantastic big talent that we brought in from outside. That was an exciting team. And it no was. wonder we. Yeah. We, I know we came fifth. I think we were about 28 points behind fourth, but we did come fifth that year, didn't we? We've got to take it. You've got, we've got to get small victories. Small victories. Well, my, my mate George was doing a quiz the other week, and, he, and I, you probably know the answer to this, but one of the questions he, he asked was, how many times in the Premier League have West Ham finished the season with a positive goal difference? Oh, I have no idea. Not a lot, I would say. Once. Was once. <laughs> and that, and that, that was the last season. I don't think any of us guessed it was once. We knew it would be a low number. You know, yeah. The, uh, and, you know, you think that season with that team and those characters, and we came yeah. fifth and qualified for the UEFA Cup, and, um, the, uh, and we still, even that season, didn't finish with a positive goal difference. It is so West Ham. Think- You're right. Yeah, but is, is it, you know, that was the Harry era, wasn't it? The Harry era was... Very attacking football, yeah. Not so. You know, the defense was a little bit and goalkeeper, but but it's all about the entertainment and the attack. And that, that that is the West Ham way, though, isn't it? It seems you know that's, it is expansive. It is wingers, as you said. We don't have that many, and not it's not just not just West Ham. I think in general now that that the old fashioned winger is an old fashioned winger now. You don't get very rarely players yeah. playing on the right foot, on the left, on the left foot, right and. Just beating their fullback and crossing it in. They don't do that. They they switch them over as so they cut into be almost like auxiliary strikers now. Um, that's why I like Antonio because he's just got raw pace and you put him on the right, give him you know kick him at the bum, give him the bit between the teeth, and he just terrorises the fullbacks. Well, funny enough, that was a very nice link. And bearing in mind okay. you didn't know it was coming, but I've gone Michael Antonio for my final place in the in the middle there. I, I don't know, psychic. I know, very impressive. That's, that's but, uh, well, there's several reasons for Michael Antonio. I think he's, I think of the current team, he's, for me, he is the star of that of, of mm. that current team. I think we look a, a totally different team when he, when he's when he's playing. He's fit. Um, I also wanted a link with that last game at Upton Park because uh, that goal. I mean, it, at the time, it was the other end from us. Yeah. Uh, we were in the Trevor Brookham. It's the other end from us, but. I thought it was a cracking goal then, but the number of times I've seen it since, it is a belting goal. Yeah. And he, he gave, oh, again, again, like Sinclair can play wide as well, you know, if, if, if you want him to. And I know that for a while, one of our issues with Mikel Antonio has been, you know, that we played him in, but we played him as a right back, didn't we? Slab, yeah, slab for him, yeah, 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 as a right back. And, and, and that's, that's very weird. I just think his attitude, his commitment, his pace, he's a handful. I mean, I talked to, to blokes who play football at reasonable standards and as a defender, they said they, he's just the kind of person you really do not want yeah. to come up against. Yeah. And I think, his, I think his enthusiasm, his commitment, I think he's, it seems, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know, I've sadly never met him, but uh, he does seem to me like it matters to him to play for West Ham. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and that is a tribute to him that he has been played in all these strange positions, out and out striker, right back, wing back, whatever. I mean, I'm sort of trying to play him wide. Yeah. I am playing him wide in this particular formation, yeah. but they're also blooming talented. I mean, they're all, you know. um, but I, I just think of this current team, he's some, someone I really look forward to seeing. Yeah. I think he's, you know, he's, he's he contributed so much. And he's now done that over a few years. And I think that if he, yeah. if he continues to blossom in the way he's going to do, I, 
He did. He did he get called up for England? I think he did. Yeah. He missed out. I'm trying to remember. I think he, he had an England cap. I don't think he actually yeah. played, did he? No, yeah, he's he in the squad. Up. Yeah. And I'm assuming that that may well pass him, given Southgate's kind of very much mm. young policy. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that Michael's old, but you know what I mean. In, com- yeah. in comparison to the people he's looking at, but I think he's a potential real big West Ham star, and um, and I love watching him play. And there aren't there aren't there aren't a huge, you know, in the last few years, that's been few and far between. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Payet would be another one. But, you know, I love watching Mikel Antonio play. Yeah. And, I, and I, think it's, I think it's important to acknowledge that it's not just about the good old days. It's yeah, now as yeah. well. Very true. Very true. And I, I agree with that sentiment. Yeah. When, he, when he's on his day, he is, he is unstoppable. He's just like, he's got like the, he's got the pace of Trevor Sinclair, you know, and Matthew, Matty Effington. He's, you know, like he's stonkingly quick. But he's just a muscle, isn't he? He's just literally a unit. And as you said, poor left back or right back to what wing he plays. You know, it's almost like he, because he he uh, he tends to like swap, and it's almost like he's yeah. trying out. I've got uh, yeah yeah no, I've got this one in my pocket. No, no, no. It's almost like you know, beginning of the game, and it's gonna be great to see him back because obviously he's fully fit, and everyone's fully fit. So, put you know, fit again, Antonio. And he deserves his place in the team uh, for yeah. being uh, for scoring that goal, uh, the first one at Tottenham's new ground. And I mean, you know, the first defeat that they had there. And I mean, that if that doesn't put you in an all-time eleven, I don't know what else would. <laughs> it will always true. be. It will always be on the record books, won't it? That's the it's thing. very true. It's like when I was, it was I talking to the other day. Um, it was it was uh, not named. It was John Hartson. So I was interviewing John Hartson for the channel, and he scored his first goal was against Tottenham at home at Upton Park, and I was like, "That's it. You're done." He went, yeah, could, yeah. Have, could have hung my boots up there. I could have lived off that for the rest <laughs> of my career. I was like, "Yeah, you did." But yeah, okay, Antonio Dean. Let's let's go up front then. Then Mark Lynn. Yeah, two. I'm playing two up front, although I suspect yep. one will be slightly behind the other. So uh, let's go Paolo Di Canio. Yes. Um, uh, who, again, I've had the privilege to meet on a few occasions. What a, and as you know, charismatic. Uh, clearly, if we're talking about players who get West Ham, very yeah. money spent, no more than a season at any other club until he yeah. came to us. And I know we wouldn't have got him if he hadn't watched the referendum. <laughs> and I remember it was considered to be a bit of a gamble and it, that yep. we were going to take him. And, um, and I, you know, I just, I, I could not, I, I couldn't believe how brilliant he was, how daft he was. Yeah. Um, I think the 5-4 against Bradford City would always be one of my favourite ever classic West Ham afternoons when he, when he drops to the ground and, and he's saying to Harry, you know, yeah. they don't understand, the referee, what's going on here? I can't, yeah, exactly, I can't do it. And Harry just points and looks, you know, as if to go, just don't even waste my time. And then he hears the crowd giving it, Paolo, you know, and he starts to raise, as if to say, okay, for you, I'll give it one more go, you know. It's like an opera, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Then, you know, and then, and then, of course, he does, and he turns the whole thing round with one five four. Let's be fair, only against Bradford City, no disrespect, no. but they weren't a great, a, a great team then. But you came away buzzing at the end of that day. What, I've seen nine goals, five of them scored yeah. by West Ham, Paolo Di Canio and Frank Lampard virtually have a fight over who's going to take the penalty. You know, it was yeah. stunning. It was absolutely yeah. stunning. And um, and I think, you know, then the goal at Man United, the goal at the cup game at Man United, you know, when we, yeah. when we knocked him out of the cup, which was brilliant, when he carried on playing, even though the, you know, keeper was trying to, what was it, Bartes? Bartes, wasn't it? Was yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, that became a chant, didn't it? From Bartes, yeah. Bartes was <laughs> 
Um, and, uh, you know, and obviously the goal uh, uh, against Wimbledon, which was stunning. But he scored, I mean, he's still our top scorer in Premier League, which I also found out from Georgie's quiz. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone has scored more goals, uh, 47 or something like that. Um, and, I, and he got the club. The fact that he stayed, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, all right. And people, the criticism is always he didn't go up north very often and all that kind of thing. Well, actually, the stats tend to suggest that's not true. Yeah. Um, the other thing was that he was, I don't think, I think at that time when Man United were in for him, I'm pretty sure a lot of West Ham fans would have gone, do you know what, Paolo? Go on. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think because, you know, you gave us joy, entertainment, fun, um, drama. Um, I remember we played Arsenal. It was one of my favourite games and we'd had a terrible run against Arsenal. It's like, they only had, it's like any team, they just had to turn up in red and white and we yeah. were automatically on. Yeah. And he scored that goal where he chipped it over uh, the defender and then chipped it. Uh, a seaman came out just chipped it into him. It was right where we that Those days, I was a knee stand-upper. Yeah. And it was right where we were. And it was as if to say, I don't care what your reputation is. I don't care. You know, yeah. This is how I'm going to do it. And he just, it, there was something about, he gave us a bit of pride. He, you know, it's real mm, sort of, we've got a lot of And the fact that, you know, he's got the tattoo on his leg. He was on YouTube, wasn't he, a few months ago doing... Keepy up is and singing I'm forever blowing bubbles yeah. and that kind of thing. I'd love I'd love us to find a role for him at the club because I Yeah, I know what you mean. Tremendous. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't go as far to say necessarily as manager. No, no, yeah. no. But obviously that Arsenal game, obviously, uh, uh, there was because it was you know on YouTube and, and Twitter and stuff. He famously wore his shorts back to front because of the hoodoo of Arsenal. He never he never played well against oh, Arsenal. Did he? So you go back I and watch it. So when he when he takes on Seaman, was it? Uh, Keown and Adam, yeah. yeah, wherever it was, you know, three of the best defensive players in the Premier League. He had his shorts on backwards, and I didn't believe him. And I think it was Baz Cox or someone show, and it is because as he runs off the the West Ham logos on the back on the back of his calf, you have to watch it now. But yeah, he wore oh, his shorts fantastic. backwards. I didn't know that. We um, when he was manager at Swindon, a friend of mine had got um, as a kind of birthday present from me had got us a chance to go and meet him after a game. And um, he'd, when I was at Five Live, he'd come in and done an interview and everything. Now my oldest boy's middle name is Paolo, so I w- I really quite like the idea of my boy with meeting Paolo. That was a real important thing. So we turn up at Swindon, and the press people are saying, "Well, you know." he's going through a bit of a difficult time. I think it was a year when I think he might have lost both his parents. I think he was going through a very difficult time. And he said, um, so look, he may not be able to see you, but if he does, fine. Um, then we get the call to go down to the office. Now, my youngest boy at that time was about four or five, and he'd heard so much talk about Paolo. So the door opens, and Paolo is sitting at the edge of his desk, just, and my youngest, Joe, runs straight into his arms, like it was his uncle or something like that. And Paolo scoots him up and, you know, and he's, and he's, and he's going, at one stage he's signing a picture and Joe is saying to him, he said, that's you, that is, you know, to Paolo. He says to my oldest boy, Oliver Paolo, he says to my oldest boy, he says, um, you play, you play football? And he says, yeah. He says, where, where do you play? And in those days he was playing midfield and he went, uh, Paolo went, I need a midfielder. You come, you come play with me and all this kind of stuff, you know. And you could see Oliver, he's just growing. It was like, he was so sort of charismatic and charming. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, obviously the whole West Ham connection thing, he signed stuff and all that kind of thing. And uh, I just think, you know, he gave us a lot. I know, all right, we won't get into his politics, but he gave us on the pitch a load of, a load of genuine joy and happiness. And I think that that is what, to me, what being a West Ham fan is about. That's what I want. That's why I'm paying my money. I want you to kind of, I know it's not going to happen every week, but just try and cheer me up a little bit if you can. And that's what he did. 
exactly. There's, 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 there's a couple of stories. There's, there's one with John Joe, John Joe and, and Gary um, Herman, who, who tell a story about meeting Paolo at his Swindon office. And basically Paolo then spends hours with them. He opens up his drawer. He's got all West Ham pictures and was going through all those. And like, he was like doing this to John Joe and stuff. Cause you know, obviously the amount of money he is. And the second one was Nicky Hawkins from Hammers, West Ham fan TV and he did a, a Q&A with Paolo and he turned up and Nicky was in the shirt and dress and Paolo was obviously you know he's immaculately dressed beautifully yes. dressed blonde and Nicky's like oh, nice suit Paolo and he just goes I always dress up for my family that's it that's it that's it that is Paolo isn't it always dress up for my family absolutely amazing he, man he, uh, he was standing in the car park outside a game I can't remember I think we played Leicester and he'd, uh, he'd done you know he turned the game and he's and it, by the time we'd finished doing all the press stuff, and you know, it, he's now standing in the car park and he's chatting to a couple of you, as you say, immaculate white shirt on, jacket over his shoulder and everything. And I've never done this before, but I just thought it was such an amazing performance. And I just thought, you know, I've just got to take this opportunity. So I walked past and I said, I'm really sorry to interrupt to the people he was talking to. I said, Paolo, you were absolutely fantastic today. Thank you ever so much. And shook his hand and he went, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I do. What did you expect me to do? It's okay. Yeah. It's like when he scored against Wimbledon, wasn't he? And he walks off like, that's it. That's it. That's the best I can do. You know, I can do no more. But yeah. All right, who's Paolo going to partner up front? He's, he's going to play alongside again, probably a bit like my uh, Rio and Bobby Moore thing. I would love to see him linking up with Mr. Clyde Best. Oh. Um, so I've put, I've put Clyde in, and there's several reasons why. Um, obviously, I was, had the privilege of seeing him play. Uh, we know the journey that he had to go on. We know the, 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 the stick that he took. You know, he was a real trailblazer. Um, he was one of the, the three black players who lined up for us in 72 against Tottenham, and the first time three black players were um, playing for a top-flight team. And I do think the club should make more of that. Yep. I mean, West Brom, rightly herald um the, the the so-called three degrees we should be doing that as well mm. he was he misfired a few times i mean that was a thing he was there there were times when he you felt that the he was just a little bit clumsy at times but oh, oh, talk about a handful he could jump i mean mm. you see some of the pictures of him you know when he's right up you know he, he could jump he, he's Shots were ridiculous. I mean, he had a shot like Ray Stewart and Julian Dix, didn't he? When he really, when he bought or Frank Lampard Senior. Um, and um, but one of the, my favourite memories was my brother, for bizarre reasons which are just too boring to go into, is a Leeds fan. And uh, I think he saw our rubbish West Ham wear and just decided, you know, at that time, oh, I'm going to support the best team around. And to be fair, he stuck with them. But obviously, Leeds had a ridiculous record against us, and we played them at the end of one season to a 74, 73 or 74, something like that. And Leeds had gone on a huge, great run of undefeated. And uh, so this was the game my dad, and me and my brother would go and see. Obviously, yeah. That was always one we'd go and see. And we won 3-1. And um, Clyde Best was, as my dad said at the day, and I didn't really understand what he said, he was unplayable. Yeah. And it was him and Pop Robson. So you had, and that's the other thing. I mean, in a way, Clyde Best owes his place a little bit to Pop Robson because they were such a good um, yeah, combination. Yeah, yeah. And Pop Robson is, I think, one of the great unsung heroes at West Ham. True, very true. Um, and um, I, I, I loved him. I loved him for what he represented. But I loved him as a player because I thought he was, you know, he was he was aggressive. I think he could have been more aggressive, and I think mm. he might even say that himself. Mm. Um, but I saw him. He got some. He scored some great goals to, to take the stick that he did and to become so loved at the club. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, you know, I, I loved him. And uh, and he was. And I remember having his 
picture up on the wall and all that kind of thing. And I, and I'm glad he seems to have latterly got the respect and um, yes. uh, yeah. the uh, credit that he, yeah. that he deserves. So uh, that's me, Clyde, up front. Yeah. I had the privilege of interviewing him. I stood in for Phil on uh, Stop Hammer Time just once, and I, uh, we did an interview with Clyde only on the phone. And uh, you, you could have, you know, like you were saying earlier, you could have talked to him all night. I mean, yeah. it was it was just fabulous. The stories he's got, the anecdotes he's got. He left us. He was only twenty five when he left us. When he left, when he left West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, you know what he could have done with another mm. few years. But anyway, so Clyde Best, and, and that is a ridiculous competition. I'm leaving out Jeff Hurst, who I used to send birthday cards to when I was a kid. Um, you know, I really, you know, he was my sort of, you know. Um, so, I, and, and with there's so much competition there, but I just like the idea of Paolo yeah. and Clyde. Oh, yeah. And I think, well, I can't remember, probably Jackie Hughes or someone mentioned when she was like sitting on that sort of the West End and you could hear Clyde Best running. Because he was like, it was like a horse galloping when he was, because he was so close to the fans. And that would have been so intimidating for any, any defender to come up against him and Antonio as well. You know, like that was well, like that's true. two units right next to each other. Yeah, Mark, that is true, actually. I've got, I've got a lot of flair, but I've got a lot of muscle as well. Oh, and I think that's what you need. And, you, and, you've got, and if, it, if it goes a bit off, you know, if it kicks off, you've got Bonzo and you've got Ray Stewart to just. <laughs> Just have a word. Just have a word. Have a slight word. Mark, it's been brilliant, man. It's been so much fun. Absolutely brilliant. Lovely. Lovely. I really appreciate the invitation and you take care as well. Thank you. And obviously, thank you to everyone for watching. Um, Like, share, subscribe. You know what to do. And until next time, for me and Mark, take care. Stay safe. Bye-bye, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.